Like, I wonder if the person that created, you know, or invented C Surf yeah, was like, like 2002. Whoa, yeah, like, it's like, I yeah. can make, what if I force the user, let me, let me log into my bank and see if this works, you know, like, yeah. and that's like the original write up, you know, it's like passing around material on the dark web, like for bank.com, <laughs> you can, tr you know, trigger transfers. I don't know why that's my voice for early day hackers. Like, maybe hey, it's, man, it's see, me, early 2000s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, Joel, you're sitting, man. This is this is if we're gonna if we're gonna debate this, you need to stand up. Okay. Like I just on, wanted to the... show off my new headrest, that's all. Oh, oh, that is good looking, man. You get a new yeah. chair? No, no, same chair. So Oh my god, sorry, I have something in my mouth. Yeah, I'm sorry. I started it like right as you put something into your mouth. Yeah. But, what, so, what, um, what is it? Like car <laughs> caramel or something like that? You're chewing. Yeah, it's like, like a, a it's a chewy it's a ginger <laughs> thing. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. Um this company, Atlas. They make like the Herman Miller like third party headrests mm -hmm. and the Embody headrest has been in like pre-orders for like six months. So I ordered mine back in December and it finally came like a week or two ago. Dude. So it's been like a huge, huge, nice improvement to an already amazing chair. So yes, but that that's it. I'll, I'll stand up. All right. That's like the geekiest thing I've ever. You pre-ordered a headset or a headrest for your chair. There we go. Now let's let's rise and let's let's debate. Okay. So all right, all right. So you say so before we were before we ran the live recording. Joe was saying there's no such thing as a sea surf on mobile. I suspect this is a terminology difference, but yeah. All right. So here's here's what it is. All right, sea surf on mobile. Let's say for example, I feel we talked about this sort of on the on the mobile episode. It's a like a deep link. Or like a uh, uh, what are, what are they called? The app app links that you can trigger that will trigger some sort of functionality in the in the app. So for example, if I have like if I can craft a link that like has I've seen this before has like a base sixty four encoded you know data blob in it, and that file gets like downloaded and put onto the user's device or something like that. And, you know that that's not the perfect most perfect example. Maybe it's something on the lines of like add friend you know equals one two three four, and then like when you click that link, you automatically send them a friend request, right? I feel like that's a mobile C surf. Is that not? I mean, so like yes and no. I think to some extent you could count that as a C surf, but it's not really. Like in the classical sense, if Why? you think about what a C surf is, like a, a C surf is a cross site request forgery, right? And so. Okay, okay, Joel. Like <laughs> it's not a site. Come on, but it's an app. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not a site, but it's also like there is no restriction that you can put in place to like stop this. Like if you click an, a deep link, for example, like you said, if I click a deep link for my browser, nothing that gets passed through tells the app that I clicked that from attacker.com. Okay, and okay, but but like you could just not write functionality where someone can have a deep link that does something in the app unvalidated. Like there should be a screen that pops up and says, "Are you sure you want to add, you know, Jimmy Jim as a as a friend?" Uh yeah, sure, but like how do you detect that? Well, you, no, there's no detection that, that's, no, yeah, that's needed. Exactly. So, like, the, the reality is that, like, if you don't want this to be a thing, it has to be not exposed at all. Like, that function, functionality cannot exist, right? If you want 
Uh, I see for somebody to be able to add a friend, either you have to have a separate ex a separate route that is exposed that's like add a friend confirm. And then like when they click that, then the app does different functionality where they confirm it explicitly. But the fact that that deep link exists means that it will always be reachable if it's ex if it's exposed. So either it can't be exposed or you have to, you know, or okay. it's it either is or it isn't. So, right? it, so what you're saying is like, even though that functionality, you're saying there's no way to make it that functionality secure if you want to have that functionality. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and so I think like the caveat to this and the bug that I picked as like an example for this, I think the, the best caveat I can think of is like JavaScript bridges. So that's like kind of the closest you can get to like a C-surf type of behavior where say like within a browser, within a web view, within the app, you are able to either call out to a different uh, internal only URL schema yeah, or, JavaScript or a JavaScript object. bridge or something mm -hmm. like that to trigger functionality within the app from an attacker website, that is something that you can stop. You can detect origin and stuff from a JavaScript bridge. You can do all that kind of stuff. But if you know it's just the fact that the deep link exists and is callable externally, mm, I wouldn't really call that a C-surf so much as an abuse of intended functionality. Okay. Um, so maybe that's because my... Because it's, it's not like blockable. Maybe that's my like web brain trying to apply it to mobile. That's like the way that I've categorized it in my head to try to get you know it to fit into my little context, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I could see that. But I, I am a little disappointed though because I definitely wanted there to be CARF cross app request forgery <laughs> like i feel like carf we could we could just like can, yeah can you like okay, make that so a like vulnerability? That kind of exists too okay i mean like yeah, is that so, a real thing so, yeah so i think like that's also a thing for example like intents right if like you create an intent from a right. third party yeah right and you call an intent like that's going cross app but you know and you can stop that stuff just like you can with the c surf but do you but, remember that bug from at at uh in la yeah that that was i feel like that's kind of like a carf am i right yeah, yeah, I would say that that's pretty, that's like a pretty good example of like a cross app request forgery, a CARF, yeah, yeah. if you want to call a it. A CARF, dude, um, all right. Where it's basically, just yeah. came up with a new vulnerability name right here. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically, and that I think is a really common exploitation scenario with, within mobile apps. Yeah. And it totally breaks CVSS because it's like local only, um, because like you need another app on the system yeah. for it to be exploitable. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, that's like a really common thing where you have, some functionality that's, you know, accessible from other apps on the system that is then exploitable to do all sorts of different functionality that, I mean, we've seen full RCE from that. So yeah, where, uh, it, you can go anywhere from the super basic stuff to full RCE. Where's our, um, where's our notes on the mobile episode? Cause isn't, isn't there like, so like, for example, if you're doing like a carf, right. And you need to craft like an intent, there are the intent URLs though, right. That you can like, almost embed it into a URL and it like still sends the intent. Yeah. If I recall correctly, that is no longer supported in like Chrome and Chromium. Oh. I believe it was like a, it's an older Android thing and it's up to like implementation essentially about whether or not it's supported. Um, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I'm that. looking back through the notes. We'll, we'll have to find that and suss it later. Yeah. But, all right, cool. Well, 
that's our nice little debate to start us off today, whether or not mobile sea surfs exist or whether CARF is a thing, cross app. Yeah, CARF is definitely a thing. CARF is yeah. a thing, man. All right. Yeah. I, I, you know what? That's going to be, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go send out a tweet right after after this episode. CARF is a thing. That's all I'm going to say. CARF, CARF is a thing. Is no a context. Thing. Yeah, no context. <laughs> just CARF is a thing. Cool. <laughs> um, all right, man. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's get back to the news. Yeah. All right. Yeah, for um, sure. Let's see. News is looking a, I'm not going to lie, man. News was a little bit thin this week. Um, yeah, I think it's just stuff's leading up to DEF CON. Yeah. People are holding their cards close to their chest. They don't want to let everything fall just yet. But I don't uh, doubt that. I would recommend within like two weeks, we're going to have some really crazy amounts of news that we're going to have to go through. Yeah, dude. Are you going to Are you gonna try to do like any Joel solo episodes at DEF CON, you think, or at the H1702 event? Um, I might. I'm not going to be at DEF CON. I'm only going to be at the H1 event. Okay. So, um, we'll see whether or not anybody wants to do like some recording sessions. I'm trying to yeah, grab well, like a, an extra handheld mic that I can. Yeah, that'd be good. Know, use as sort of like an interview type thing um, that I wouldn't feel bad about traveling with. Like this mic, I probably wouldn't travel with because it's expensive. And if yeah. something happened during travel, I would be be very sad at myself yeah yes. <laughs> yeah no i believe that man i i think i just think the in-person interviews have such a good vibe you know with cosmin and and with uh you know mystery guest we we did record mystery two guest. episodes when we were in london yeah, true. one of them hasn't been cleared for release yet so we've got an awesome episode in the backlog that you guys are really going to enjoy um but yeah i feel like those were sick so if we can do more of those that would be really good i think yeah yeah i do plan on bringing the recorder so We'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely see. Hopefully, I'll, I'll get at least one in there. All right. So the first uh, news item on the list today was actually something that, that Rezo tweeted out like a couple minutes before we started recording. And I was like, oh, we should just throw this in there. Um, he says, here's a bug bounty tip that I just learned from TCM Security's YouTube live stream. SQL map can use the same syntax as curl. So if you do copy as curl in any tool, paste it into a terminal, exchange curl to SQL map, it just works. That's crazy. That is SQL, sick. SQL map also lets you do like raw request inputs, right? It does. So you yeah. can literally just, that's one of my favorite features is you can basically Same. just copy paste uh, a full raw HTTP request into a text file and then you just yeah, I think it's pipe like that into R. SQL map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And then it just parses it and it will do all the magic. You don't have to set a different flag for cookies or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's awesome. I want to see, I want to say Fuff also does raw request, doesn't it? I, I believe it does. Yeah. Ref raw. Yeah, it does. Dash request. File containing the raw yeah. HTTP request. I love that, man. That's so helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, it just makes it so much easier for testing when you when you don't have to look up all the different flags and if you like run it once and something's not working or maybe it looks like it's working, but it's not actually working. Just knowing that for sure it's using the exact request that you were using mm-hmm. makes it so much easier to do your testing. Yeah, and easy to in, insert insertion points, both in SQL map and Fuff. But, you know, it, it is very convenient when you've got a curl request as well, or when you're, for example, if you're finding an SQL, if you're one of those freaks that finds SQLs <laughs> by just the freaking um, uh, inspector tool, then, you know, you can right click and, and copy to curl. and then I, just... I will say the first, the first SQL injection I ever found was using, uh, uh, what is it, hack? hack bar hack oh the, no the old, way dude yeah hack yeah the bar? old old yeah oh my yeah, this gosh is like way back in the day i yeah, cannot believe bar, like that Firefox, man uh, extension <laughs> dude i just got like 
freaking teleported back to like early college man hack bar yeah. are you serious hack bar yeah i think that that's what it was called right yeah yeah i just i just looked it up it's still a thing seems yeah. like they've actually added some pretty cool features to it that's really cool that's pretty sick man a lot of reviews too Fifty thousand plus users this is a good this is a good extension so crazy i this is not related to security stuff but i heard i heard someone on on a podcast the other day talk about marketing a product by buying chrome extensions for like <laughs> like one cent per user right really yeah so they're buying like you know forty thousand plus install apps for like 400 bucks you know and it's like wow I don't know how you'd even market to it. I guess maybe you'd like do some sort of invasive little pop-up ad thing, you know, push code to it. But that, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder like if that violates any of the Chrome web store rules. Because I, I know that like when you uninstall an extension, there's like a report this extension type thing. And mm. I don't actually know if I've ever reported an extension, but I'm, I assume they ask for more info about like why yeah. you're reporting it. So, so what you got to do is, is get yeah. the Chrome extension, use the Chrome extension to install a service worker on that page and just automatically <laughs> say no to that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, just take over their computer. <laughs> actually, that's like a, that's an interesting, I, I don't think, I feel like Chrome extensions shouldn't be able to install service workers on specific sites right i don't know i, yeah, I gotta look I, into it might them. be a specific permission because yeah. even when you install one you have to grant it specific like site by site like whatever it's requesting access yeah, to yeah. so okay yeah that makes I sense wanna... i gotta i gotta look into that though that would be that'd be a fun attack vector yeah um there was this uh there was this tweet you made today actually where you were like uh i'm so annoyed like when you find an idor and your sessions get swapped so I wrote this JS bookmarklet that puts a cookie on the TLD of the target. And then I use request highlighter to highlight each yeah. browser a different color. And I do that as well, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's like, thank you. That makes me feel a little bit that better. I have for like two person testing is I have an incognito window and I have a normal window right. in the same browser. And I just, you know, do a, the request highlighter uh, extension to highlight different colors for those two sessions if it's like really, really complicated and I have them both open at the same time. But if it's something super straightforward, I'll usually just like copy paste my auth header or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what, so that's what I do. And then like a couple people from the freaking like Twitter went on here and were like, yo, there's already extensions to do this. And yeah, I, apparently one of them is, so there's burp browser profiles. There's auto Chrome, I think is the other one. There's, what was the one that they said? Something hack uh, Fox. Pone Fox. Yeah. Pone, Pone Fox. Fox. Yeah. That's what it is. And actually I, I clicked on the Pone Fox or <laughs> Pone Fox one. I can't, can't say it. I clicked on the Pone Fox one and it looks pretty sick. Like if you look at the highlighting within that looks really good. So definitely could be worth using, but you know, if you're using firefox yuck yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> um is that like 0.03 percent of the population that uses freaking firefox yeah, way lower than i would have expected same um but actually pone fox also lists uh listen the readme mm -hmm. that if you're using chrome you can use this ncc group tool called auto chrome auto chrome yeah which does a lot of like default setups and stuff I used to do something very similar to this where I had a shortcut, like an alias in my terminal that I would use to spin up a new Chrome instance that would run like without the XSS mm -hmm. auditor and would have the proxy args and all that kind of stuff. Nowadays, 
it's so easy to proxy Chrome. And I really don't want the XSS auditor turned off, if I'm being honest, mm -hmm. because well, it doesn't do anything anymore. Like, and it's such it's yeah. such like a, a bar in terms of like if something is getting caught by the XSS auditor, which I like you're saying, I don't actually know if it does anything anymore. Yeah. Then I probably don't want to submit that because there what's the attack scenario where somebody has XSS auditor disabled and I'm able yeah. to exploit their Chrome. I feel like XSS auditor got removed. And the only case that I can think of that it actually I'm not sure if this is XSS Auditor or if it's something else, but is like when you you click a link that has target equals um, blank uh, on it, right? So it's supposed to open up a new tab and that your injection is in that href, right? Then I think yeah. it says, no, can't do that. Um, yeah, I was just looking. It's been fully removed as of Chrome okay. 78. Dude, that's so, so clutch, man. Like, I, I, I do remember for a brief period when that was around, and it's just like, please, like, just please stop. <laughs> like, I, yeah, you yeah, know that yeah. I can bypass you. Like, please yeah. just don't make me do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Hold on one second. My dog's barking. Let me you're, let him outside. You're good. You're good, We man. can pause here. Yeah. So, dude, did you see this JS Weasel thing that got released earlier this week? I didn't see it get released, but I saw it in the notes. And when I clicked into it, I was like, really kind of blown away by like, I mean, one, I, I think I'd like toyed around with something like an idea like this right. for lo the longest time. I feel like but, everyone has. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, really cool to see it pop up. Um, I was like, who created this? And I did like some digging. It was and Charlie, It was dude. created by Char Charlie Erickson. Yeah. Um, he's pretty big in the bug bounty community. I don't. I'm sure a lot of people kind of know who he is mm -hmm. or have heard his name. He is definitely very active in Bug Manny Forum. Yeah, that's where I know him from. And yeah, that's where I know him from as well. Uh, it looks like he's kind of done a bunch of startup stuff in the past uh, based on his like Twitter bio and stuff. Um, I hadn't realized all these like companies and stuff that he'd done. So it's a really cool product to see uh, kind of pop up. I would love to try it out. Yeah. I saw the price Dude, and I, I don't got, really want to I got pay my that, hands but... on it, man. I got my hands on oh, it. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. Awesome. He he um he actually sent me the beta for it like oh, cool. months ago. And I was like, wow, this is sick. Like I gotta talk about this on the podcast. And and we decided to hold off at the time because you know it was just kind of in beta mode. He was gonna do a release around DEF CON, but now is the time to talk about it, man. And I have to say, like, the price is high for sure. Like a thousand dollars per user per year, that's pricey, man. That's pricey, yep. and I feel like he kind of needs a like a freemium for, uh, of this, you know. Like I feel like he needs to to release some part of it that's free, and then then you know, or maybe even like a short trial to get you hooked on it because it's hard to take the bite to go straight into a thousand dollar a year product. Um, yeah. However, even the beta version that I played around with was pretty freaking sick. Like it was it was quite good. And um, he's added a lot of features since then. The one that kind of blows me away the most, go to, go to the website, right? Yep. And go to features um, yep. in, the, in the tab. Scroll down and then look at the pre, uh, fetch packed chunks, right? He says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Know so I, I think I feel like everyone who's, who's ever like deep dived a JavaScript file uh, or, or anyone who does that on a regular basis will know what this looks like. Uh, essentially, it's a function that will, you know, has a specific like name. It's normally like it, number colon, you know, name, you know, yeah. three colon, 
PDF make seven colon XLS. And then there's another block and then there's a dot in that. And then it has a bunch of hashes. And then at the end it has dot JS. So just from looking at it, you can clearly see they're um, loading, they're constructing what a normal uh, JS file looks like with like the hash and then the dash and then the actual name of whatever it is dot dot JS yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and so I time and time again have written scripts to decode this and get me access to these JavaScript files that are being apparently he they're they're being lazy loaded. That's what it, that the technical term is for that. Like yeah. loaded, you know, sort of dynamically uh, on the fly when needed. And so if you yeah. never access, you know, the weird admin part of the application that actually loads it, then you'll never actually get the contents of that JS file, you know, in your browser. But right. JS Weasel somehow parses the JS code that does this, figures out how to maybe there's like a common structure to it or something, figures out how to reverse this and auto download those JS files which is really sick. Yeah, it's super interesting. I would be really, really curious to see how good it does, especially with Same. obfuscated and minified JavaScript. I think that's generally the case where I find stuff has the biggest difficulty, just generally like any sort of like parsing tool, whether it's yeah. symbol recognition or anything like that. Obfuscated JavaScript generally throws a real big wrench into that. I don't. It seems see like it was kind of designed JavaScript that much, though. Like, I mean, obviously, you could Dude, just like get literally just a, a target I was looking at yesterday uses obfuscated job, like obfuscated and minified. Oh yeah. my gosh, dude, that's I thought terrible. it was malware at first. <laughs> I was actually blown away. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was malware. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I feel like maybe one in. 50 targets that I look at use actual obfuscated JavaScript, which for any of you blue teamers out there, uh, that is a surefire way to piss off uh, anyone who's trying to hack your app. If there's yep. like, if I, if all of your strings in the app are in hex, frick you. Like, I, I hate I, that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, I'd like to get my hands on the latest version. I'm kind of even, even, you know, with bug bounty being my full thing and, you know, pulling in a decent amount each year with with money to allocate to tools and stuff like that. I don't know, man. I don't know if it's worth the one one K, but I might I might see yeah. if I can figure out it, it, but I also don't blame him for anchoring high, you know? Like yeah. if the I feel price like comes maybe down, it would be great. better if he like framed it like, you know, seventy five dollars a month or something like that. Cause I think what's a thousand divided by twelve is yeah. eighty three dollars a month. Yeah. Like if it was eighty three dollars a month, I might be more willing to click it instead of seeing a thousand dollars a year per user or something yeah. like that. And I, I totally agree. Like you got to make a profit somehow. Like work isn't free. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you look generally at like the bug bounty community and so many tools are free and or have like a trial or something yeah. like that. Like there's very few tools that bug bounty hunters pay for yeah um, absolutely and so i think having a uh something that's useful like this that you have to pay for and having it at such a high bar mm -hmm. might be difficult to get bug bounty people to yeah. get on board with that yeah. you could probably sell it for like a quarter of this and get five times as many people signing up oh yeah a um, lot so there's there's probably some sort of like tweaking he's he's gonna have to do with that pricing and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff but in terms of like product and functionality and features this looks really amazing yeah dude I, i'm excited i hope the price does come down a little bit because i would definitely use this um there's definitely you know product market fit here with um you know the burp suite plugin um and you know it's pushing right into this app that's how it works by the way for any of you that that aren't at the website it you have a burp suite 
plugin. It shoves everything down to a VS Code plugin that um, just sucks it all up, beautifies it, adds a bunch of really cool um, JS uh, highlighting and uh, like you know various layers of of pulling stuff yeah, it'll out beautify, of it. Yeah, it. It'll deal with source maps. Yeah. It'll deal with obfuscated JavaScript. It'll deal with chunks. Like. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's funny because whenever I do JavaScript audits, I have like my own internal like brain system that I use <laughs> where like I figured out certain patterns that mm. I notice within uh, obfuscated or minified JavaScript or Webpack JavaScript, whatever you want to call it. And those I'll like use those patterns to identify how stuff is working, but I never really go further than that. I never end up like writing scripts. Well, okay, or so. Joel, I just like I see like my interest. What, 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 are, yeah, what, are like, these, what are these internal so, brain patterns? Yeah, so like there's this like one thing that I notice a lot where webpack stuff, they'll often when stuff gets packed together into one giant file, they'll name all the modules as numbers, like incremental numbers, so that they'll be like, you right. know, module one, which was actually FS or right. something, is now one. And then there'll be some function called like N, and it'll be like N with an argument this, one. Man. And then you know that it's it's importing like module oh, number one. I know what you're talking about. So you about. can search yeah. backwards, and so you can say like, okay, where is the module with like one colon? Like, where is that in the in the module dictionary? And yeah. then you can go and find the source, and you can figure out what module is what. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the system that I've always used, but yeah. this feels so much cleaner and more organized and more concrete than that. And I think it would probably make for a lot less guesswork if it really works uh, the way that it claims it does. So yeah, yeah, this is a uh, really, really awesome. And I, I also like that the website looks just like a, <laughs> like a GitHub product launch. <laughs> oh, does it really? Let's it see. really does. Yeah. Oh yeah. With yeah. the big, with the big text, right. With one it, word, you know, highlighted. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. You're not wrong, man. That's a good, that's a good call. Um, all right, let's see what else we got. Um, okay. Uh, the only other thing that I really had on the list today was this, uh, like literally right before we started recording freaking Rojan tweeted out, uh, a, uh, link to a talk that they had done at Tinder security labs, um, about an RC in various services, uh, via largely via GitHub actions workflows and exploiting those, which is like pretty much the most Rojan thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. Like he always yeah. goes after this, like out there, you know, bespoke stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. Did you, did you see this at all? Cause I actually didn't get the chance to actually, uh, check out the talk. I just clicked through the slides before we launched the yeah the i didn't i didn't really get to check it out um mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy i don't know if i should say but maybe we'll cut this out yeah. but i work with rojan right right <laughs> and uh you know he's all he's always doing really amazing research so it's cool to see some of this go public um and see it be talked about sort of on a more public stage yeah than for sure all the internal communications that we have about it um but yeah i mean rojan is obviously a very very talented hacker um, him and all the other people that uh, that we have on our team are just some of the best, like bug bounty folks, as well as just hackers as a whole that that uh, that I know. And so it's really awesome uh, to have them on the team and see them do this kind of research, and then you actually get to talk about it publicly at conferences. Yeah, dude, not gonna lie, um, I'm I'm jealous of y'all's y'all's team over there. Rojan hit me up the other day about wow, this is a while back actually about an opening on y'all's team, and I was like, yep shoot man like if there's anything to pull me away from 
freaking full-time bug bounty it would be a full-time research role on that team and i was like yep. ah so yeah i mean i was just reading through one of their internal reports today and it's very like i think you would it would enjoy it if oh my god you know, there was another opportunity that came up i think it would be something that would totally be your vibe because it's literally just like hacking <laughs> it's just yeah heck man that yeah that sounds awesome so we'll link this this report down in the uh in the description for the podcast or this um i guess these slides and and youtube video talk um yeah should be some really high quality content also i just i love injecting at, into the supply chain right rather than doing other stuff you know later after the product's been pushed anything with like dependency confusion attacking the continuous integration pipeline all of that stuff, super cool. And I happen to know a couple other players in the space that are getting ready to launch products or will be launching products within the next year surrounding this that I think are going to really be very helpful. Yeah. So excited yeah. Actually, to see this now space. that I'm, I'm looking through all of uh, all the slides on this, yeah. I, yes, I did know a little bit about this. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, seeing seeing the slides and seeing it like talked about definitely gives you a lot more context than than what i had so i'm gonna have to check out the, the actual video of the talk later yeah for sure i'll go i'll go watch this as well um all right as as we alluded to in the beginning of this episode with our debate <laughs> um we are talking about sea surfs today uh and yeah essentially i feel like sea surf is a vulnerability that a lot of people feel like got deleted with same site cookies and it's just not the case and there's some you know, stringent conditions that you got to be on the lookout for. But I still see this all the time on all levels of hardenedness of target. Um, so I was thinking we'd kind of dive into that today, discuss some techniques that we've seen, discuss some technicalities and see where it takes us. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All righty. Let's see. Um, okay. So first thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was for any of you that, that, are out there that haven't heard of a CSERF, let's just go ahead and give a little a little bit of a debrief for that. That is cross-site request forgery. Um, this attack occurs when a, the victim clicks on the link from the attacker. The attacker has control of the user's browser inside of the, the page. And the attacker um, somehow, either by doing a window.open or by doing a redirect or submitting an HTML form, is able to push the user via redirection to some specific page on the victim application. Um, you know, it could be a get request or it could be a post request. And that, uh, that request will trigger some sort of functionality in that application and perform some action on behalf of the user since that request is being done with the user's cookies. Um, yep. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think like the most like, basic example that I can think of just going back to like my very, very early security days yeah. was bank account. The, the, the typical example is that you mm -hmm. are using bank.com and there's a transfer endpoint that you can call to transfer money from your account to someone else's account. And if there's a C-surf there, then another website could force you to call that transfer endpoint using your own cookies in your own session and transfer money somewhere else. And if there's no C-surf check, then that could happen completely without anybody stopping that. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, that that's what always made it click for me is just like, oh, it's you performing actions by yourself, but someone else is causing you to do it implicitly. Yeah, yeah. And and dude, I, 
I, I've, I'm pretty sure that that example is in literally every piece of sea surf education literature out there. Yeah. So I wonder if that ever happened. Like, I wonder if the person that created, you know, or invented sea surf yeah, was like, like 2002. Yeah, like, it's like, I yeah. can make, what if I force the user, let me, let me log into my bank and see if this works, you know, like, yeah. and that's like the original write up, you know, it's like passing around material on the dark web, like. For bank.com, you can, tr <laughs> you know, trigger transfers. I don't know why that's my voice for early day hackers. Like maybe hey, it's, man, it's so, me, early 2000s. Yeah, hackers. exactly. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, okay. So everything was fine and dandy for years. We were finding sea surfs uh, as they're affectionately named left and right. Um, and then one fateful day, the same site cookie default lax setting was imposed by chromium dun, dun, dun. the you know monster browser that destroys all of our hopes and dreams um and since then it has been a lot trickier to do that and the reason for that is is that same site cookies uh are uh any cookie that's set now is being explicitly set to or implicitly excuse me set to um lack same site lacks by default what that means is that um there's only a very there's a very specific set of conditions that must be completed um before you can trigger a a, a request to be with those cookies to be sent um those conditions are uh that you have to be making a top level navigation um so that means that the essentially the url bar up at the top has to be um changing in order for those cookies to be sent it can only be done with a get in a post request and with the post request it can only be done within a two minute window of that cookie being set that is called the lax plus post um sort of caveat uh, it's a temporary thing we don't know how long it's going to last i think it's probably going to last for a while um but that that even may may fade and fail us um so that, that's really interesting yeah. behavior that it's like it feels almost very arbitrary that it's a two minute window yeah and that it just kind of works because what happens like after like say that happens in the first five seconds right okay what about the other minute and 55 seconds yeah 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 i i think i think it you know it was just sort of a catch-all <laughs> for very slow loading single sign-on services um mm -hmm. so I i'm not exactly sure you know why they they chose two minutes arbitrarily um, but I do think it's a cool, I think it's a cool, uh, technique. And if you can still use it, it's very helpful for this technique. I don't, you've probably seen this before, but exploiting that where you trigger a login or re login, right. And what that will do is get the cookie reset. Right. Um, and, and even if, you know, the user has already gotten established session, this can be done oftentimes with a get request in a window.open, right? And then once the cookie is reset, that timer's got refreshed, and then you can do a top level post, um, which will trigger the C-surf. So it's very important nowadays, if you're going to try to find a post-based C-surf, to have some sort of gadget, which will refresh the session, get that cookie reset so that you can, uh, take advantage of the lax plus post window. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's really interesting. I mean, it's not like the biggest blocker, but it is kind of like an additional part of the chain that you now have to be aware of. And and I think if you were coming from a more traditional background and you just went to exploit a CSRF, you'd be like, why isn't this working? And I think it's just because like there's new there's new levels that are now at play here. Yeah, for sure. And so go go. Do you see this link that I put in there um, with, by Teddy Katz? You see that? 
Uh, yes. Yeah, click on that really quick. We can talk through this one. I think this one's really cool. Um, so I want to add, so before we jump into that, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the conditions for the modern conditions, the, the, the now conditions for a SE surf, right? Um, and those are this. The content type must be text plain, XWW form URL encoded, or multi-part form data. One of those three, right? There, there might be other ones. I, I feel like I've seen text slash JSON being used before in a surf. I could be wrong about that. And we're not talking about any of this Flash stuff that you can do with Flash. That's, that's outdated. No one uses that anymore. Um, so it must be one of those three. The request must be a get or a post request. And it must be a top-level navigation. So the, the URL bar at the top needs to change as a result. Um, and that will result in the, the cookies being sent uh, under the same site, under the, the rule of this cruel, cruel you know, monarch, the, the same yeah. site cookie. Um, the exception yeah. to that is this, is this cool blog post that I linked here. So let's take a look at that. Yeah, the, uh, this is by Teddy Katz. Yeah, dude. This um, guy is rocks. On his blog about GitHub OAuth um bypass yeah so this guy is pretty much exclusively a a github hacker as far as i can see and i just freaking loved this bug so um did you get a chance to see it before the the pod or am i am i preaching to you as I, well dude, i think i've actually i feel like i read this a long time ago because yeah. i've hacked github since this blog post yeah. came out in in the years since this has come out and so i feel like i have seen something along the lines of this but i don't know if i've read it specifically so go ahead you're not totally dude I, I feel i feel kind of bad because like i i do this thing where i go to people's blogs before a life hacking event that are like really good at hacking the target that we're gonna hack and i just read all of them right like very <laughs> fresh right very fresh in my memory and Twice in 2022, I found Vulns and and the people that wrote about those that using the techniques from those blogs and the people that wrote those blogs duped to me. Oh, <laughs> so no. I, I got the main report and they got the dupe report. Stealing their techniques. And they're like, bro, I should never have blogged about this. Which is very which is very sad, you know, because it's like yeah. we do like to see sharing in the community and stuff, but also like, yeah. you know can't hate what is it what do they say don't hate the player hate the game hate the yeah yeah hate the game exactly. don't hate the player something like that yeah um all right so yeah this 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 specific one pretty cool uh we'll link it it's called bypassing github's uh, oauth flow this is an example of csurf that does not use get or post this is a uh csurf done with a head request um which was which was really interesting to me um, essentially, the TLDR of this is that the get uh, the head request gets routed to the same spot in the application. Um, I want to say this is is this Rails? Yeah, it's Rails. Yeah, it's Rails. So the the way that the Rails router is defined, it says you know match this specific path, and then there's um, via, and then you provide a list of uh, uh, you know valid. Um, uh, HTTP verbs. Yeah. yeah. Get, post, Thank you. I, I couldn't come up with it. Yeah. You provide <laughs> yeah. get and post. Um, and then, so there's just get and post in this array in the blog post. But um, there's also some quirk in Rails where they just want head to kind of work seamlessly. They don't want you to have to be able to have to like, you know, work on head being something different than get. 
Right. So head also gets routed to wherever get is is uh, routed to. And inside, That's super interesting. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And and inside the request, um, it's you know inside the function that deals with this route, it, it there is this uh, if statement that says if the request if request dot get, then do this right. Otherwise, do that. So it's not checking, you know, it's a pretty safe, to be honest, like I would have definitely not caught this in code review because it's like, okay, yeah. get only get and post are allowed, but, uh, and we've got get, so the only alternative can be post, right? But that's not quite the case. The head method can also um, trigger this. And it actually, in this case, it was triggering the same thing as a post request would do, which allowed for the... Um, the OAuth bypass, uh, which landed him a pretty sick bounty. I think there was a 25k bounty, right? 25k, yeah. yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, honestly, I would have expected that a head request would behave more like a get request than a post request. So I would have expected it exactly if it was going to be an implicit thing like this, it would go through the the get handler. But uh, you know, maybe it was actually you know coming through as like request head or something. So if you look exactly. at the check where it, it says if it's request.get yeah. And then else is catching everything else. And so it doesn't even have to be behaving like a post request. It's just if it's not a get request, then it does this alternative behavior, which would be to grant permissions. I wonder if options does the same thing. Yeah. I assume it probably does because I, head and options are special cases, right? Where those are yep. really meant for the browser to do pre, pre-check requests and that kind of stuff to make sure that the endpoints exist or are reachable and that kind of stuff right yeah I, I thought the same thing before i you know while prepping for this episode and i looked into it and i think options at least normally they're sent by the browser without any um authentication attached to them I, i'll have to double check mm. on that because uh, this is a while back but um if they are sent with uh authentication attached to them that could be a really interesting way to potentially exploit some of this behavior yeah i would imagine that the browser won't be sending it now, but maybe they have to, you know, because maybe like an option or options request would fail if it doesn't have the right authentication on it. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but that might be an interesting area to, to target. For sure. Yeah. So this is also just a good, I feel like this is just a good quirk to, to know about in Rails as well, is, is that head will get routed to the same point place that get will. And if there is this sort of, you know, if get else do this, sort of mentality, then this bug could very well, I, I, I absolutely anticipate that this bug has is present in other code bases as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. I, I can't imagine that. Um, I mean, Ruby is very, very commonly used. And this seems like a strange type of implicit behavior for it to be there. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if it has other implications. As you can tell in the blog post, this is actually down to how GitHub is implementing it. Right. Where it's not really like an implicit vulnerability. It's just that the fact that how they're handling whether or not it's a get request or some other type of request mm -hmm. is influencing the behavior of the app. And so if there's other services that are written in Rails that aren't doing an explicit check for a head or an options or if they're doing some sort of fallback behavior like this is, mm. then you'd be able to exploit that in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, just as a as a as a takeaway, you know, uh, list a couple takeaways here. Rails uh, definitely play around with head requests for that. Um, for C surf, you need to have content type text plain x form uh, xww form URL encoded or multi part. It needs to be get a post or a head likely uh, request, and it must be a top level navigation. That's kind of interesting to me though, 
because this was before, now that I'm saying all of this together, this was before same site cookies. This was 2019. So I'm wondering if head requests, I'm wondering if that even works anymore because mm. I don't know that you can send a head request via a top level navigation. So how would you get the cookie to send? Yeah, I wonder. It might Let's it see. might have to be coupled with a, yeah, it might have to be coupled with a uh, with a like insecure configuration for same site or something like that in order to actually get this to work. Yeah, yeah. Because when did same site come out? That was like twenty twenty. Mm, yeah, February fourth, twenty twenty. Stab yeah. in the heart, man. Yeah, super interesting. Um, yeah. So those are the takeaways there. Um. Let's talk a little bit about some exploitation techniques, and then we'll kind of jump. Um, I mean, do you have anything you want to talk about for mobile C-Surf? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're where I guess CARF, as we affectionately <laughs> named it. Yeah, so a lot of that stuff we talked about during the mobile yeah. app um, episode, but I think generally it's the same kind of stuff that you'd already be looking for. So JavaScript bridges, exposed URL schemas, um, if there is any kind of internal web view, the mm -hmm. non-exposed URL schemas are also a good target for that because if you can find some way to point the internal web view to an arbitrary URL, mm -hmm. then you can potentially exploit those internal URL schemas that would be only accessible from within the app. And you may be able to escalate that further to do who knows what. But uh, that that I'll actually talk a little bit about that when we talk about our specific bugs because the specific bug I have is very similar to that. Sweet, solid. We'll, we'll wait for that then. Um, let me, so I, I wrote down a bunch of exploitation techniques here. Let's just kind of roll through them one by one. Um, oh, well, actually, okay, okay. Actually, before we get into this section, I do want to add one more thing about same site. Um, if, you, if you have any um, questions or concerns about same site, uh, definitely check out the Jubob's post, The Great Same Site Confusion. We've talked about it on the pod several times before. Really good stuff. Um, the uh, so on the note of same site though there is this thing same site strict which is rare but i actually have seen it and i've got a funny story about it dude actually so did you meet did you meet uh so sakaguchi did you meet one of my one of my friends that was from japan that i feel like you might have met him in vegas or in uh austin yeah i wasn't at either of the las vegas or austin events so you were in maybe... vegas weren't you no, I had, I was supposed to come, but then I had to cancel last minute because I had a thing happen. Oh heck, man! Well, last you year. you might not yeah. have, you might not have met him then. But did I, you was he one of the people that flew over and and stayed with you? Yeah, and... yeah. So he was, okay, so we were hacking yeah, we together. Have, I was chat a little bit. Yeah, I, he's one of my friends from Japan. Um, great hacker. Now I was training him, you know, with some stuff. And there's this there's this app that I guess I can't specify, um, and it, it looks very vulnerable to C surf, right? But here's the thing, it deletes your account and he actually uses the app, Wait. right? So, so I'm like, so we caught the request, right? We caught the request in, in, in Burp and we're like, okay, you know, like, look, there's no, you know, CSERF tokens, there's no, there's no origin checks or it doesn't look like there's an origin check. I guess you can't know until you submit it. Um, uh, but, you know, it looks good. And we had found other bugs that look similar to this in the past on that, on that website. So I was like, okay, man, like, here's the deal. We gotta, <laughs> we, 
we got to just build the POC and give it a shot. Like this is a several thousand dollar bug here. Like, and, and oh, and, and the, the process for creating an account was really long and hard and had, had required phone numbers and all sorts of things, uh, right? Okay, yeah. So we can really just create another account. <laughs> so so we, we, we run the exploit on his account, fully expecting to be getting, you know, hearing ching noises and um and i don't know how it ended up you know being this way but uh they had same site strict right so we, we deleted his account with something else uh you know to try to prove it you know that the origin check wasn't working it's like okay great you know this is good and we go back to do it again with another account and the same site strict co cookies they have same site strict on which means that there's that you will never it will never send a cookie to a from one site to another site there's no not a get request not on a pot request it just doesn't happen right and so at the mm -hmm. end it wasn't vulnerable to to c surf and we deleted his whole account on this just app deleted his whole account yeah oh, no it's so bad it was on a music app that was that that was popular um that where he lives so That's i felt so really bad man uh yeah it's funny because i was actually looking back at um i did have like a really low impact csrf that i reported like many many years ago mm. and it was like I, I don't even think i tested it like in the traditional way because same site wasn't a thing right so all i did was check if i set origin to null then does it work yes <laughs> and yeah. like it redirected me to an arbitrary domain well if there's no if there's no um you know if there's no other checks if there's no refer check if there's which can be circumvented if there's no you know csrf tokens in the request you'd think it would be you know right Right. All right. Yeah. Vulnerable, but not exploitable. Yeah. yeah. Exploitation techniques. So um, just a couple things I just want to note on this. You know, these are just kind of pro tips section on CSERF. Look at the same site values for your cookies. Okay. So one thing that I will, I will notice, Joel, did you just literally just no, OCD no, I, out? Listen, I'm sorry. What is wrong with you? So literally in the doc, I wrote Damn, same site. I wasn't site. expecting to get called no, out No, you're getting this. called out for that, dude. I literally wrote same site with no capitalization and no dash in the middle in the notes. And while we're talking about this. just one lowercase word, same site. Joel, Joel goes in here and capitalizes it and adds the dash like a total maniac. Um, I was like, look, now I know that it's it's same site. Now it's same site, not, not, not same some, site. Some site, you know, <laughs> some site. Um but yeah, so the tip that I was going to say with this is make sure you're checking your cookies. Um, note that same site, if, if same site is not set, if the same site attribute is not set on a cookie, then that will be same site lacks by default, which is different than same site lacks explicit, okay? Same site lacks explicit, when it's explicitly set, um, does is not subject to the lacks plus post um, sort of accommodation that they've made for people transitioning because if you're setting it explicitly then you obviously you're not one of the people that's transitioning to uh, a, a architecture that supports this so that can be a gotcha uh, that can get you some na's or some informatives if you don't check that um so yeah keep an eye on that um let's um yeah, yeah. another thing was the method params um i've seen this a lot on ruby especially oh, really? uh there's like a really weird Man, functionality ruby's getting wrecked like, today <laughs> yeah ruby ruby's super weird i think this is specifically 
some like weird rails configuration or something mm -hmm. but it, there's like a method parameter that you can put in the url yeah and it will allow you to change the method of your request even if it's sent as a get request you can have it send it as a like a post request instead it gets interpreted on the back end as like a post request and that adds all sorts of different levels of complexity now because you can send a get request with the body right yeah yeah i i'm not sure if you can make the browser do that though can you yeah, I don't. I, that's the one caveat. Is again, it's like vulnerable but not exploitable. Where yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. That would be a kind of interesting area to research because it would be. It would be. But I feel like most of the, um, you know, routing software, most of the the web servers would, um, just kind of consider those body either just delete those body params on a on a get request. Uh, or just stick them as they were, you know, a query parameter. So I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. how that would get get parsed. But the, like you said, you know, there's definitely the option of sending a get request and then setting this method equals post, right? And then right. having the server parse it as a post request. That's a really good method. Right. Right. Yep. Let me grab some water. Heck, I'm out of water. You're um, out of water. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to cough into the mic real quick here. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is how we know when we need to wrap up the episodes is like Justin's out of water. His third is dying. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let, let me look at some of these other. Uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, get you, you want to be looking for any get-based requests that will um, result in some change in the application. Right, because if you have that, you're pretty much just set anyway. Unless they're setting some weird, you know, header or something like that. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and then the other, the other thing which we alluded to earlier is I feel like, and this is sort of, I'm going to release something else uh, on the pod about this later. But I, I feel like not enough people, when they look at applications, are keeping in mind various gadgets that they need. Right? These are parts of chains. These are links in your chain. That, that you need yep. to find. So for example, if you hack all day and you don't find anything, you can feel like garbage, right? Or you can look back and you can say, okay, well now I know that if I go to this specific area of the application, I'll get this error, error that will tell me you know, this about the application. Or if I provide a valid ID here and an invalid ID, then it allows me to validate which IDs are, are you know, valid or not valid. Or I found this endpoint that I can force the user to refresh their session cookie, right? That's the most applicable yep. in this scenario. Those gadgets are very valuable. So even if you haven't found yeah. a bug, make sure you're noting down these gadgets. Um, and those, if you are and you're keeping those in the front of your mind, your your brain will figure out a way to utilize these and figure out a way to chain these into um, you know, different bugs. If you're skipping over them, if you're not emphasizing these, then, uh, you know, you're never just going to get the full chain into place. So that's another, that's another tip. That's sort of yeah. gadget based methodology. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about like notes, you need to take notes. Yeah. Just like if you find something that's weird or, or strange behavior, probably not like quite a bug, but could be used with something else to become a bug. Mm. IDOR, like ID leaks, Anything like that, if you, they're using a UUID and you find something that at least leaks a list of UUIDs, that's a great thing that you can chain together as like yeah. a gadget where by itself, maybe it's not the most severe thing. But if you can then find an IDOR that uses that ID, that makes it so much more severe. Yeah. Um, so anything that's like along that those lines, just be keeping notes of the different like weird behaviors that you're seeing. And this is about, as we say, becoming intimate with the application. It is, man. It is. You know, you, this is well, part of the process of understanding how does the application work? What are the different moving parts? What are the different functionalities that exist? 
is one specific part not secure that can then be used with another specific part that's not secure to then leverage that further. Um, those are the types of things that we really want to look for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think, yeah. And, and so th there's lots of different ways that you can um, approach these these vulnerabilities, these, you know, these applications that you're trying to find. Um, and, and we're not trying to say, you know, everyone needs to take notes or everyone needs to keep in mind uh, the gadgets, but that's something that's definitely worked, worked for me quite a bit um, in the past. And, and I think it's a helpful methodology. Um, yeah. Let's see, let's see what else we got here. Um, okay. Well, this is an interesting one. So if you, and we, we've tweeted about this a little bit as well with when Rezo mentioned something like this, but one of the main ways that I find CSERF nowadays is servers that are using just plain JSON requests. And, um, you know, you, you, nor, as we know, JSON as a content type is not vulnerable to cross-site request forgery. However, excuse me. However, if you, um, if you change the content type, from JSON to text plane or for to X WW form URL encoded, um, then it may be vulnerable. It could be that the server is parsing that content type, or if you're sending text plane, it could just consider that as JSON. Um, so those are good areas to check. Um, it, it normally only takes one or two different checks because I guess maybe this is my experience. I won't prime you otherwise, but my, in my experience, you know, I don't check every single endpoint for this. I check like one or two uh, endpoints for this to see if like, you know, the server actually just at all just does not mess with, uh, you know, XWW formula encoded or text plane. Um, I don't t test all of them, but I could be missing some there. So I, I you know, it, whatever testing style fits you best, as long as you're checking if you can convert content types. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think it's, if you think about it from a developer's perspective, it's probably going to be implemented in like one place. Mm. So it's going to be added as a middleware or a content type handler yeah. for the entire server exactly. versus being on an endpoint by endpoint basis, because usually it's being processed at a lower level than it is like at the route handler. It's probably going to be on the server level. So I think your te testing methodology there probably makes sense to just like see if this host is vulnerable to that type of confusion or changing of mm -hmm. types and see if it's flexible in that way of parsing. And then if it's not, I wouldn't waste too much time. I think it's really interesting to think about how CSRF is one of the more like old school type of vulnerabilities yeah. because the way that it gets exploited is still using a form element. You know mm. what I mean? It's not like yeah. anything crazy. It's not like yep. custom modern JS. It's literally just a form you know, it's yeah. just a form HTML element. And so you do get restricted by some of those bounds in terms of how a form element actually works, what mm -hmm. capabilities it has, what content type it is, how it encodes data, all that kind of stuff, which is why it needs to be either text plane or form URL encoded because forms don't send JSON. Um, right. And apps that are sending JSON are typically JavaScript based where you're clicking a button and that's triggering an on-click handler, which is then making a fetch request or, or whatever it is in the back end that's actually triggering the API request versus sending a, a, a very, you know, traditional HTML form. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I liked what you said about HTML sort of being limited by by old HTML in that capacity because we, we do still exploit CSERFs um, via form elements. And I'm, I'm looking yeah. right now, you can set the content type on a form element using the uh, ENC type um, uh, attribute and the method via, via the method attribute. I'm a little salty because I went and looked into this uh, ENC type um, 
uh, attribute the other day. And it, it would be really cool if we could specify not only the content type, but the character uh, encoding in here as well, you know, because you could do, because we were looking into, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we were looking into bypassing WAFs, you know, payloads um, using uh, encoding. I think uh, Sarush tweeted something out about that. Um, and we were just kind of going back and forth on it. I was like, man, I wonder if we can force the browser to send a request using um, UTF-7 or something like that, right? Um, and mm -hmm. I was thinking, man, it, that the enc type should, ENC type should do it. And I think even the HTML spec mentions that it should be able to do it, but it freaking doesn't do it, man. That is salty. Mm. Well, I mean, this wouldn't be the first time where the HTML spec says one thing and every single thing on the internet says that the spec follows this one thing and yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> so maybe, uh, maybe it's worth looking into and actually verifying. Honestly, since that thing that we found with the base element, yeah. it really has me wondering how much of HTML is strictly enforced to what the spec says it should be yeah. and how much flexibility there is in, in terms of weird edge cases and stuff like this. Yeah, I'm sure there's tons, um, just more and more to uncover. Um, so the the other couple, a couple other little things I had here, um, obviously making sure you're changing your post request to get request. It's one of the I, I pretty much forced Kaido to to do that because um, uh, I, I told them like, hey, I like this is one of the main features I use in Burp. You know, this change request um, functionality. So they did put it into Kaido, yeah. which is great. Um, and so converting your post request to your get request makes it really easy to to check. Um, and then, uh, so the other thing that I kind of wanted to mention was sometimes they'll companies will do sneaky stuff like check the origin header and check the refer header to ensure to further C surf checks. And those which is technically proper C surf protection. That plus a C surf token is really, I believe, the recommendation. It can or be, or at least it was. It can be. There is there is ways. There are. There is ways. There are ways to bypass that. Um, so for the origin, uh, and, and I guess if it's configured properly, there's not ways to bypass it. But for the origin, you can get the origin to be set to null for a, a request by doing it with in a iframe that is the source of that iframe. The source attribute of that iframe is a data URI, mm -hmm. um, yep. and that will remove the origin from that from that. Um, uh, iframe and uh, allow you to just you know run your HTML um, document that you've defined inside of that that data URI inside of there and then you can try to trigger it that way. Um, I'm Got wondering it. now that I'm saying it because a lot of these techniques are are a little antiquated. I'm wondering that that isn't going to that isn't going to pass the same site checks now though, right? I don't I don't right. know. I, I'm, I'm, and with cores. With cores and CSP, you'd also get blocked a lot of the time by not having the right URL or not being able to even open data URLs. Yeah, of CSP. I need I need to look that up and see if there's any way. Is there? Yeah, I'm gonna research this any afterwards. Any way to send a request um, with the null in the origin um, with nowadays same site stuff. That that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, I sort of didn't apply the same site stuff in my brain to this technique. So, th so that's that, um, perhaps maybe an origin check might be enough nowadays. Uh, a, you know, a, especially if you are, 
handling the null case, it would definitely be enough, like like you were saying. Yeah. Um, but if you're not handling the null case, it could still be enough because the browser may not right. allow you to do it. Um, the only other one was the referrer. And I was going to say this one. Uh, this is not as, excuse me, this is not a secure technique for CSERF uh, because we have the ability to control the refer policy, which determines right. um, what is set, right? And right. actually, oh, I, I didn't even write this down, Joel, but I actually had a cool bug that I, that I found the other day because of this. Because oh. what it was doing um, was it was sending this... Ah, gosh, I love this bug. I can't believe I didn't get this in the notes for this episode. Um <laughs> So here's what it was. I'm just going to drop everything and tell you about it right now. Um, okay. Uh, so it was a C-Surf. <laughs> it was a C-Surf. Well, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and it was doing uh, the C-Surf check via the refer, right? And so I was like, okay, you know, easy peasy. And all it was doing, it was checking to make sure that um, site, uh, you know, site.com slash was in the refer. So I was like, okay, mm. uh, easy peasy. I should just be able to um, create a folder called site, you know, site.com slash and execute my exploit yep. from there. And then that should pass the check, right? Mm -hmm. um, wrong because uh, you can't, whenever you're sending, they, they deleted the refer parameter, uh, the paths from the refer parameter nowadays, right? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah so oh, interesting. It just sends by default, it just sends, you know, HTTPS. Uh, uh, you know the top level the the FQDN slash to cross origin. I thought requests. that was only for or I thought that was only for origins. What do you mean? I thought only origin headers did that behavior. I didn't know that refers because that was yeah. a big problem for a long time where API tokens and stuff would get excuse me we get leaked through a refer header because refer is the exact refer URL whereas origin would be just the origin URL exactly. That and and I think that's the reason why they removed it was because because it it was lit because what you could do is you could get an HTML injection right with an image tag and then redirect the user to that specific page, um, yep. you know with their access token in the URL and that access token would get leaked via the referrer to you know right. your image that you inject into the page and your boom you got an ATO, um, right. but anyway they removed that and so I bypassed it. Because you can actually set the referrer policy on your own page to send the full URL. Um, mm. you, you, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, since you control the, the page that you're sending from, you can use, a, I think it's a meta tag. Um, you should look that up really quick. See if, see if you can find anything. But um, the, the meta tag, I believe, allows you to set the referrer policy. And, what, and there are several options for that. One of those is send the full URL in the referrer. Um, and so plopped that into my page, um, you know, sent the user to that page and it sent the full URL, which allowed me to bypass the C-Surf check and got, got the bug. Um, so I, I don't know, man, that, that sort of fringe stuff like that just gets my blood pumping. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually two ways to do it mm -hmm. there. You can set it, um, as a header, refer dash policy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Either like no refer, origin, same origin, strict origin, unsafe URL. And then you can also set it with HTML through a meta tag, like you thought. Meta, the name is refer, and then the content would be like origin, for example. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm looking at the same page that you are. The Man, Mozilla Docs. Yeah, the, the meta... The meta tag is so interesting, dude. Like, because I... a lot of functionality. Yeah, we were kind of deep diving this last time with like you know, when we were looking into base and stuff like that. 
but um, you know, this doesn't even use the HTTP equiv attribute. Um, uh, you know, to to like pretend like it's an HTTP header, right? This is actually right. just a different thing. So I gotta, yeah. I, I gotta go. I I gotta find some way to just read everything that a meta tag can do, because I'm sure there's some weird stuff there. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm not really sure where the best like the right place to look either, because I feel like if even if we look at the HTML spec, it's not really what you need to look at. It's you yeah. should probably look at like the Chrome source code or something like Dude, that. Dude, I don't want to look at the Chrome source code, man. That hurts my <laughs> eyes. Either. Don't like that. Yeah, me neither. Um, cool. All right. So that's, that's uh, yeah, that's all I had for the actual um, content of the C-Surf stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's all I had. You want to go into bugs real quick? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay, so I already, I already cool. presented one bug because uh, I just got hype. I, I just... Oh, no, I love that man. But yeah, this next one is actually really cool too. So this is a a C surf that I found um, at a live hacking event in um, 2022, um, and there was this obscure domain that was way out there, right? That that no, use super old legacy garbage, and uh, there's some like weird trickery. I figured out a way to get an account on that domain. Um, there's like a hidden sign up page that was like I found in like a way back archive thing, right? So I got there, got into that app, and I'm like seeing dollar signs at this point, right? Because it's like it was in scope too. It, they had star in scope, so I was like, "Oh, this is clutch." And and nice. I, I did get like, you know, five figures worth of bounties um, from that specific uh, domain. One of them was the Sea Surf, which was which was cool. Um, now, how this one worked was it, it, it sort of had four parts of the chain, okay? Um, so I needed to send two top level requests this, this required one click. So you come to the attacker's page and it triggers one click. Um, from that, I could trigger two pieces of code. Okay. I could trigger, um, there's a little hack here. You can use the, the form, uh, the button within the form. Um, you can harvest one click and get two actions to be triggered. You can get a form submission because the button got clicked, and you can also use the on click. Um, mm. So this actually allowed me to open up two pages with one click. Um, nice. And so the first thing that I did was I I surf login C surfed the victim into this old legacy website from the main website. I found a way to do that where you can you know transfer the user in. Okay. Then the second request, which was still pending, by the way, um, that was sent to a uh, PHP script on my server that uh, was set to sleep for like two seconds or whatever, right? So it sort of delays and makes sure that the user is actually authored in the website first. Then it it redirects the victim. I think I had to do a 307 too, because I think it was a post request. Um, mm -hmm. I'd issue a 307, which redirects the user to a, to with the same method, uh, post method, to a different URL um, where the CSERF actually occurred. Um, and all of this was happening, um, you know, when the user came to the attacker's page and, and it was actually a CSERF to affect the user's account in that sort of weird, obscure, you know, domain, which is not very impactful. And I thought that they wouldn't like it, but, um, the, the, you know, through the data pipelines, that data actually ends up back on the main application and had some, some pretty painful effects on the main application. Um, so that ended up getting accepted. It, it used a couple of cool tricks, which is why I, I mentioned it. it used this double sort of on-click thing. And then also the delay script, I think, was a nice piece as well. Yeah, that's super interesting, that, that, uh, that aspect of 
sort of the double the double action where you click yeah. a button and you you take advantage of the on click as well as the native form element behavior. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting little trick. I, I have to refresh that in my mind because there are definitely scenarios where you need two two click triggered actions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting. All right, um, what yeah, you got so for yours? Mine, okay, so for my, mine is more like a the kind of thing that i talked about where it's it's basically the closest you can get to a sea surf without it being a carf um okay wait, without it it's being not cross a carf? app yeah so it's not cross app but okay. it is cross domain within the app so nice. essentially um i think i can talk about this uh uh yes they're public okay so tiktok everybody knows tiktok um uh this was way back before tiktok was popular this was in 2019 um and so tiktok I don't know if they still have this functionality, but essentially you could scan a QR code within the app mm. and that would, I think, take you to somebody's profile or take them, take you to like a post or something like that. It, it was built in. Um, but the thing is that QR codes can have a lot of different data encoded to them. Right. And so I realized that you could just encode an arbitrary QR code pointing to a URL and it would open it within the app, in the internal web view within the app, mm. because the way that it routed ah. was that it would try and use the internal URL schemas, and typically it would be encoded with some you know internal schema that would open someone's profile or something like that. But you, if you put just HTTP in there, then it'll open it in an internal so, web view. So wait, so this is, it, do you have to scan it within the TikTok app, or can you just scan it with your phone? You have to scan it within the app, yeah. right? Uh, within the app, yeah. 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 So the, the attack scenario would be like, you know, you open your TikTok app, right. you go and scan some QR code to go to someone's profile, you get popped. Right. Um, and so basically, this would open up an internal web view that then had access to this JavaScript bridge Dude. and a bunch of other internal functionality that you could then take advantage of because typically they weren't expecting that you would be within this context. And so there was a whole bunch of different checks in terms of like the functions and stuff that you could call. But there was this caveat, which is that the the if you were like calling the JavaScript bridge, it had this check called is safe host. And it would essentially had a list of allowed URLs. Uh, the problem is that it was checking if host.equals or host.ends with blank, then proceed. And you may have picked up on this already, but dot ends with is not safe. Um, if it was just dot equals, that would have been fine. But that ends with is very, very flexible. Dot ends with, and then the, with no preceding dot. Is that correct? Correct. And so uh, a lot of the domains in the list did have subdomains. However, for example, TikTok.com did not. And so I purchased the domain, not TikTok.com. Nice. Exploit <laughs> TikTok.com. Yes. And it was like $5. Yeah. <laughs> and so I put together a POC. And basically, if you scan a URL, it points to not TikTok.com with my POC. It would open it up. And then... From there, because it passes the host check, you're able to talk with the JavaScript bridge. And so there was a ton of functionality behind this once you get past that check where you could create pop-ups within the app. You could install APKs. Dude. You could do, prompt the user. You what could pull heck? down uh, user information about who the current user is. So there was like a ton of functionality that you could do from that point. And that's kind of like the C-Surf aspect where it's on my host. It's on mm -hmm. nottechdoc.com but I'm talking with the app over the JavaScript bridge, over the internal URL schemas, and I'm getting information across app that I really shouldn't be able to. So it's kind of like cores, kind of like CSRF, hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, that that's kind of my mobile Dude, example. And I think sick. there's a, a, a ton of other examples out there that are more the, the CARF stuff that we talked about, where it's like creating intents from a third-party app right. that then do 
something similar where it's exploiting app functionality that you normally wouldn't be able to reach unless you were coming from a third-party app or from some third-party standpoint, um, like a you know a web view within the app or something like that. For sure, that that's a really that's a cool technique because there there are a lot of apps that have built-in QR code scanners. So I bet other apps that have bug bounty programs out there are vulnerable to opening the web view via a QR code like that, right? With just a, yeah. you know, a domain. And you might have to sort of double click into the code a little bit to see if there are like a, a an origin check or something like that. Um, but dude, I, I love yeah. I love those moments when you get in there and you're like, gosh, shoot, there's an origin check. Like, ah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then you look at it, it's like ends with, and you're um, like, never yes, <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh man, it just freaking yeah. gets the blood pumping. Yeah. Um, yeah. So don't, uh, you know, if you see something, look, look into it fully until you're for sure that it can't be exploited because uh, lots of times there'll be weird checks like that. Good stuff, man. Um, all right. Anything else we want to we want to cover before we wrap up today? Um, oh, yes. One thing. So you may have seen on Twitter, Nahamsek, Ben, our buddy, he True. is on his way. He's very, very close to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so I think he's let me double check where his actual number is but yeah i think he was at like 95k 94k 95k so he has a goal he'd love to hit 100k before defcon and if he does he's gonna shave his whole beard he's gonna shave his whole head dude he's gonna be hairless <laughs> and, uh, I, dude i yeah, wonder if we can get him to do the eyebrows too yeah maybe eyebrows too so definitely if you aren't already go check out nahamsek's channel it's at nahamsek on youtube and uh, give him a subscription. He's yeah. pumping out amazing content. He live streams. He yeah. does so much insightful stuff, kind of similar to the stuff that we do, but like on another level. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely would recommend going and, and looking at his channel that's and looking the, at his content. That's the call to out. action for today, y'all. You know, today, yeah. subscribe to Ben. Go to Naham Sex channel, hit that subscribe button. We want to see a bald and, and eyebrowless <laughs> Naham Sex. So. Please do that for us. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a win-win for Ben, right? Because he gets he gets um you know he's got like a hundred k subscribers, right? So he's like yeah. you know pretty well known, and I'm sure if he goes to DefCon, people are gonna be like ah Nahamsek, you know, awesome, but you know let's get yeah. a picture together or something like that, right? So if he <laughs> if he does get up to hundred k subscribers, then he gets hundred k subscribers, and he also gets to shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows and no one's going to notice him. So he can just kind of, yeah. you know, skate around, uh, you know, DEF CON like he's not famous. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the photos will be great memories of. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But the people that do recognize him will have a priceless photo forever. Exactly. Exactly. That's it's like a limited edition. The Hamsek. Limited <laughs> Dude, frick. It's got not a good year awesome. for me to skip DEF CON. Heck. Yeah, yeah, you're really missing out. But I understand there's uh, there are more important life events. There that, are, man. Uh, <laughs> there are. Yes. For sure. Yeah. All right, with that, cool. that's a wrap, yeah? Yep, that's the pun. Peace. Peace.